last week on Lore Seekers. Do you know what I want to see? I'll flat out tell you what I want to see. Tell you me. want to make it a little bit more, uh, a little bit more like you need more keys? Fine, but I'd rather see it be like a vendor, where you get to choose what what you get. So not only does ESO have, like the one thing that's absolutely not aging is its lore. It is there. It is evolving every single day. Still one of the most gorgeous MMOs out there, and you can't say it's not. Dude, the way you said mementos, that made me laugh too. It's like mementos. The Fresh Maker. <laughs> Hail, traveler. Be wary in these lands, for the skies overhead darken with the shadows of dragon's wings. The undercrofts overflow with the rise of the dead. There is danger afoot across the whole of elsewhere. Do you venture to brave these wilds? Then come inside, rest your well-traveled feet, and order up around. Share your tales with two of Tamriel's finest storytellers. Here they are now. The Law Seekers, Jibs, and Cash. Oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, oh man, I got a blister on my big toe. Oh, man. Oh, yep. Here it busy is. week. Yeah, definitely a busy week. Goodness gracious. How you been? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm thirsty. That's you're, you're thirsty? Yep. Oh, oh look at this. What can I get you, boys? Ah... Uh, I, I don't know. You mentioned something on the way here. I don't remember the name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were talking just like about cheap, cheap alcohols, and I yeah. think uh, Jibs wanted to try an Altheric Hooch. Um, I, hmm. Okay. Yep. One of those. That sounds like it should be X-rated. One, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have an athlete's guzzle because I'm much more refined. You are not at. Thank you. All refined. Yeah. Thank you. Um, okay, so, whew, been a week, been a busy week. Hey, uh, you, you good? You doing good? Yeah, I'm doing, doing good, kid. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I've had a, uh, had a really good week in ESO. Had a little time mm-hmm. this week. Yeah. I've been home. Mm-hmm. So I had a little time here to, uh, to play, and, uh, I did some live streaming earlier part of the week, and one of our very astute members of the Lore Seekers Guild noticed that i had been playing eso for 12 hours straight when he looked at the uh the time tag on discord and i went you're damn right i was playing eso for 12 hours straight guy (laughs) (laughs) what a hell of a day the girls were uh the girls were out and about they um took a little mini vacation and went to go do some stuff down in uh, san diego region so i had a i had a marathon Wow, it was it was really fun. I had a great time. Yeah, um, I have man, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. So I successfully got my Bobo stamina necromancer 250. Yeah, I was there. For he's that. now That's CP fun. level and um, he's he's golded out except mm-hmm. for the jewelry. Yeah, he's golded out uh-huh. and doing well with DPS. I was pretty happy with that. 
what else have I done? I murdered three more characters to make little room skis. Mm -hmm. And I, for the first time, second time, the first time he didn't get all the way to 50, but I rolled a tank. And wow. Yeah. Dude, I rolled a Nord Necro tank. Oh, that's good stuff there, buddy. he... Is a lot of fun. Very interesting build I'm following. I'm following Dot's build. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. He is running sword and board on the front side and a lightning staff on the back side. I was like, hmm, piqued my interest. How's so, and how's that going? It's going pretty good, and I'm I pretty much have it figured out that the reason they're running the lightning staff on the back side is for the off balance. Mm-hmm you get which makes a lot of sense it just adds additional assistance to your group sure but as you could as you saw last night because we ran last night we did a little streaming yeah and um you were healing yeah uh, quite lackluster and i was tanking i was seven i don't think we died yeah we went Um, once we might yeah we may we don't need to talk about that though yeah that doesn't need to leave the cave what dungeon we were in (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, anyway, long story short, man, I, I like it. The Tank Crow is really a lot of fun. That's great, So I'm kind of surprised that I haven't played a tank before. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, it's so funny, you, you? you know, you talk about that. Um, it was a great gutting of the characters this week. Most of all my characters have died. Now I've just got, uh, and I'm figuring this out as I talk to you, uh, Jibs the Lore Seeker, the, the Sork, you know, my crafter. Right. And I've got... Vaden, the lore seeker, my main magic uh, necro. Rotmeth, yeah. lore seeker, who's the Bobo PvP build. Oh, terrible drink. And then Nox, the lore seeker, which is the new necro healer I made. And so that's all I've got, except for I'm going. I know I'm going to make a Stam Crow uh, for PvP purposes only. Yeah. But other than that, I'm done. I am done, at least for a week. <laughs> Give me a. I need a good week off. Seriously, who in the think you're kidding when you say you're done yeah. you're not done we're never done oh I, I will always roll new characters but i need to dial it in i needed to bring it all back in because it was just too much too much for me to look at and i couldn't focus so yeah i brought it back so in. i think we were both there though because we we had this conversation where you and i both felt like we were we were so spread out on these characters and trust me we like them all but that we were um we're having a hard time focusing and i I still want to go through like the all the storylines and stuff. So, right, it's not Same. that I'm still looking for that forever character because I really do like my magic and necro. But now it's just like trying different things out. Right, and you know I decided let's let's go melee. I've never really gone with a melee character who's like pretty much full melee. So I was also considering <laughs> uh, rolling just a full um, either a full melee character for. Um, Battlegrounds or Cyrodiil or just going like full-blown war priest. Uh-huh. And I think I might lean toward that direction for just a 100% PvP character and make him Healy Healy. I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Like, um, man, wouldn't that be something? Now, we can talk glory days all day long because, you know, this is just what we do, but our time zones are, you know, our lives are different because of our time zones, and so us getting together playing is a rarity. 
But man, yeah. wouldn't that be cool just to go through the zones with our healer and tank? And it would take forever, but it'd be fun. God, it would be awesome. It's not practical. No. I mean, even all. though we, we ring them at each other, I really don't even want to say, you know, in-game married you because it, 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 does, it makes me a little pukey when I think about it now. Well, I'm pretty gross. I mean, I don't shower. <laughs> it makes me a little pukey. But, um, I don't even remember the last yeah, shower just, I had. I wish it was practical. Like, if we had in every, you know, every evening or, you know, every other evening tour, we'd be able to log in at the same time. But prime time for you is, like, 4 o'clock p.m. my time. Yeah. And that's usually, you know... You know, it, during the school year, my daughter's getting home from school. I'm, you know, cooking dinner or something like that. Or my, if my wife's home from work, then, you know, four o'clock, we're hanging out, getting ready to do family dinner. And you're like, everybody's in bed. You're ready to rock. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. So just the way of the world. But uh, so, yeah. Anyway, this was exciting. This is an exciting week here at the show. But, um, you know, I guess before we get started, let's get our introductions in order. So anyway, everyone, welcome. This is volume four. Episode 11 of the Lord Seekers Podcast. We are your hosts. I am Jibs, Jordan Butts, Jibs, whatever you want to call me. I don't care. Pick one. And uh, joined by Cash. Hi. It's getting hot in Southern California. It's getting gross in Indiana. Yeah. It's gross everywhere. It's actually quite pleasant today because we're recording a little bit early in the day. Mm-hmm. So, like, even, like, my Khajiita running around the house going, uh, dude, what the F are you doing? It's too early for this. I'm going to meow. Yeah. During your whole thing. Yeah, my cats are like that, too. They look at me like, why are you here? They almost look like I'm interrupting them. Like, this is my time. Why are you here? I have a routine. On my time. This is my routine. (laughs) That's what we do. We sleep. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, we're recording. uh, There there was no Lore Seekers Live this past week, for all of you who are listening on Friday on release day. Uh, Life went from zero to 100 as far as our schedules in a matter of uh, a few hours. And so I'm currently on dad duty. We had to cancel the babysitter because turns out she was sick. The babysitter was. So, that uh, is not allowed. If you hear Nintendo Switch playing in the background, just know that's Little Jibs. Little Jibs is awesome. Plus his heart. So, there's that. But, uh, yeah. So, anyway, we're doing this little little different time, time frame. But, no, man, we had some time streaming. We had a good time. And uh, trying new things. And, uh, so, yeah, it's been good. So, last week on the show, we answered your fan mail. Talked news on free mounts. Uh, did Dark Brotherhood Thieves Guild event, Crown Store Showcase, brought back an old segment, did a lore lesson on the Dawn era, and uh, all kinds of other things, but this week on the show, well, we're talking ESO Live Roundup, we got QuakeCon details, ESO Twitter updates, lore lesson on... We are doing a lore lesson on the first era! Oh, there you go, alright, alright, yeah. alright. And then, uh, so we go from Dawn Era to First Era. This is getting good. Yep. And then we're doing a discussion on a pretty controversial topic that's currently been going around the ESO community lives of late. And that is the current state of the Crown Store. So you can look forward to that. But uh, anyway, so give, uh, you know what, let's just jump right into this. You ready? You ready? I'm you always ready. ready? ready? Okay, here we go. <laughs> All right, so uh, ESO Live from last week. It was the scale breaker sneak peek that everybody got to take a to got got to watch. And there's a lot, there's no spoilers that I'm going to talk about during this. Now they did showcase some boss fights or not fights, but they did showcase some mechanics. I don't think Finnegan meant to show, so like I'm not going to talk about those. But um, 
it was it was good. It was really really fun, and uh, so we're just going to kind of gloss over this here. But before we start, Mike Finnegan said, "quote The story we're trying to tell with Scalebreaker is once the halls of Colossus opened, and dragons are out there. This is what you have to deal with. Dragons are out in the world, and they're in other places. Now they did showcase." Some of the quality of life features. We're not really going to talk about this too much. We're just focusing on the Scalebreaker um, dungeons here. So first up, we got Lair of Marsalok. And uh, they showcase the Collector's Edition mount. So it's like a scaled, you know, dragon-armored horse. Pretty cool looking. I may actually pick that one up. Yeah, it's... I'm not a horse guy, but man. Yeah. It it looks really cool. Like, the, the dragon scaly things on this thing are really neat looking. Yeah. Yeah, it looks really, really good. Uh, then you got the, let's see, layer of Marsalak, uh, the lore they talked about um, a little bit. I'm not going to tell too much there, so I'm just going to let you, uh, you know, experience it yourself. But it's good. And then uh, they did talk about, uh, in order to LFG for, I guess the short acronym would be LOM, L-O-M, you must be level 45, okay? And to LFG vet, you must be CP 300. So there is that. Now, this does take place in Grotwood, so that's fun. Dragons are out. They're yeah. out and about. And so that was a question that we had posed to um, the creative director, Rich Lambert. Yep. And um, he, do you remember what he said, Chips? Have to wait and see. He said, we're just going to have to wait and see because we specifically asked if dragons are going to get out of elsewhere. Yep. And he was like, I am telling you nothing. Yeah, you're just going to have to wait and see. Turns out they are. Now, granted, um, if you play through the storyline of Elsewhere, then you kind of get the gist of what was going on there. And it just so happens that Grotwood is very close to Elsewhere. Elsewhere. As a matter of fact. Makes sense. Grotwood is where Abner Tharn's uh, base, location, or, um, base of operations was located. Yeah. His, his main camp, uh, if you go through the uh, prologue story uh-huh. for Elsewhere, is located in Grotwood. So... This does make a lot of sense. I mean, they just flew right up and over the border, and now they are in uh, Rotmath territory. Yep. 100%. I love how they're doing it, too. It's not, like, way out in Riften yet. Yet. It's right right here in Grotwood, right next to elsewhere. It makes sense. I like that they did that. Nice touch. There's also another little thing that uh, I don't know if this is a hint or... You know what in the shiny heavens it could mean, but right if you watch the YouTube video of the Elder Scrolls Online Scalebreaker first look, you will notice around the sixteen and a half minute mark, they uh, they're in game, and they are talking to a character called Warlock Carindon. Yep. Let me repeat that. <laughs> His name is Warlock Carindon. Yep. And he looks very he looks a lot like Vanis Galarian, if you ask me, but that Warlock. Does, yeah. I have not heard that at all. Well, do you know who he is? No. Remember Celine's Web? The dungeon, Celine's Web? I do. He's the main dude from that dungeon. So he's all so there he's already from that. Yep. Like Warlock Carindon is already but something in I this game. I don't think he had that title of Warlock. I think that's a new that's a new addition. So, you know. I like it. 
It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. He's kind of a jerk, but you know. Well, he's an Altmer, bro. Yeah, that's true. But uh, so anyway, that kind of gets into some of the story in there, and I'm going to keep it, keep it anonymous. But man, it looks um, from the bit I saw, and I really don't want to see any of the lore or much of the story. You know, just so I can enjoy it too. It looks really good. So, um, yeah, takes place in Grotwood, and they kind of talked about it on stream as far as the general lore. When the other dra- general, bleh, when the other dragons, excuse me, good lord, were locked away, Marcelloc just hid until it was time. Until now, so now he's out and about. Yeah, and he's um, smart. He has this really kind of so as far as the look of the dungeon's concerned, he kind of has this corruption element to him. But it's not a normal corruption element. When you think of corruption element, you think of like green, you know, interesting teal hues if you're from ESO. And uh, But with him, it's like a vibrant blue. It's almost like ethereal kind of corruption. And so there's something to that that you'll get to experience. Um, it's very present. His, uh, his corruption that spread all over the nature, so all over the animals. Some of the bosses will have it. And then they showed off some of the new armor sets. So we got Marcelox, uh Visage, and uh, Azure Blight, which is a dot set, which I look, I don't have all the stats on me, but it looks really, really interesting. It actually may be something I tried my Bobo build. Bobo. So there's that. Bobo. Uh, Moongrave Fane, though, this is located in northern elsewhere and takes place in old Kajidi, in an old Kajidi Moon Faith Temple. Now, this one, I think, is story wise, it's already got my attention. Yeah, one word. Yep, go ahead. Uh, Noxophilic Sanguivoria? There you go. To put it into code? I eat vampires. <laughs> yeah, Clan of Vampires has taken over the temple, and so uh, we'll encounter all kinds of vamps, all kinds of uh, Pomerats are there, and they are huge. I'm talking your top of your character's head will be below their waist. They are huge. Um, so there's that. And then you've got uh, an ancient vampire that you'll get to see. I'm not going to say too much more there. I'm kind of skimming through this. I don't want to say anything I shouldn't say. Uh, the dungeon will feature brand new, quote-unquote, block mechanics. Uh-huh. So there's that. And I'm not going to... You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. For the, for the folks that didn't see it, the uh, the block mechanic is very interesting. And it's something that we have never seen before in an ESO dungeon. And what it it uh, entails are these large stone kind of ornate looking blocks that are required to be pushed into certain areas or on certain mechanisms in order to open doors and manipulate certain mechanics within the dungeon. So it literally looks like your character, like you get up to it and you swing and it moves these blocks toward whatever you have to manipulate in the dungeon. And they made it look really, really cool. So, you know, new mechanic coming through. And that will make uh, the dynamic for some of these groups, most particularly in uh, some of the higher level content, like uh, vet and hard mode content. It will kind of up the stakes a little bit and change roles a little bit um, as people go through the dungeon. And it's just really cool that they added that. Yeah, I like it because it, you know it's it's adding new things. It's it's uh, up in the ante. Just even something little, you know. I like we. I don't know. Gamer doesn't like seeing new things, so I love the fact that they added this. Yeah, 
So um, after, yeah. So no, go ahead. After this, uh, one of the things that they really brought home with this dungeon with Moongrave Fane was it's very how do I word this uh, spelunky, very spelunky feel. Like you are going through just this ancient dungeon, so you're going inside, outside, back in through holes in the walls. It's like your Indiana Jones feel. It's kind of what they brought to the table here. So. And that was it for ESO Live. Like, it, it was... And now, they did talk about quality of life stuff. It's good. They did go furthermore into the Undaunted stuff. Very, very good. But, uh, yeah. That was the main thing, was the was the dungeons. Yeah, that was the basically the focus for this. And um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm looking forward to it. Anytime Zoss adds more dungeons to this game, it adds, you know, several hours more... Wor- uh, several hours worth of more content for you. Oh, yeah. And already adds to the amazing amount of dungeons that they already have. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the mechanics of this one and being challenged. Every single one of these newer DLC dungeons are challenging. Yeah. I've still got a lot of uh, unfinished business with past DLCs. Uh, And I think it's something when I switched to this Necro Healer, I wanted something more dynamic, something that wasn't, you know, uh, breath of life, breath of life, breath of life, breath of life. Like I wanted something that What's was a little that? more situational <laughs> and a little bit um, just different. And so that being said, like I, there's things I want to finish. I want to do vet. Um, oh, what's the name of the one with the, you get the yellow skin? I'm forgetting it already. Just came out with Rastone. Um, uh, scale color peak. No, 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 no. Scale color peak. No. Oh, with, with Rastone. Uh, someone's shouting it right now as they listen. You got the skin. I know. I'm trying to Depths Maltar. <laughs> Depths Maltar. Depths Maltar. So I need Jeez, to do... don't put me on the spot like that. I know, man. Especially at your age. They uh. So anyway, can <laughs> <laughs> give me an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know Depths of Maltar, and I personally, my two favorite dungeons uh, are Wolf Hunters, well, Wolf Hunter DLC, and I want to go back through those and complete all those on Vex. I never reach that through that content. And so, anyway, I say all that to say, uh, to agree with you that I love pushing the envelope and I love the new mechanics and I love to see what they're adding with these. So, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. Most definitely. So, as far as ESO Twitter updates, there really isn't any news, by the way. These are just stuff that we've pulled from the week. So, you've got your ESO Live and then we've got there's a little bit of news. Oh, yeah, I guess. We're going to get there. Don't worry. Yeah, we're going to get there. We uh, actually didn't tell, say we were going to talk about it, but we are. Uh, so anyway, ESO Twitter updates. There was a few different things. This is kind of like a quick little update. Over at, uh, at TSO Online, they said, Due to unforeseen issue, we have removed the Jodes Embrace player home and free T-shirt promotion from the July Crown Store offerings. We will notify everyone if we release the promotion and or home in the future. Thank you for your understanding. So there's that. Interesting one. Yeah. That one's very interesting. And of course, we, you know, we 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 get it. Unforeseen issues, we have definitely we have experienced that. Experienced those. So so we can understand uh that some things popped up. Um but I, like I don't know, was this maybe just a lack of planning? Was it, you know, an oh crap moment when they, you know, really started thinking about the deployment of this? I have no idea. Did to be they, honest with you, 
they not think it would be like super popular and like a lot of people would want to do it and they're like oh we don't have enough shirts i don't know there wasn't much uh, information supplier issue you know you it's there's so many different ways that that could have went wrong that i don't even want to begin to try to pick it apart like you you could you could be supplier issue could be an issue with the printing it could have been an issue with the mechanics of getting the coding right you know making sure everyone gets the t-shirt who buys the home you know it's just right i i don't i don't know there's a lot i don't know i don't know it's beyond me but i know this uh i look forward to seeing the home that's that's what i really want to see what this thing ends up looking like it's not so much the t-shirt i want to see the home oh it was the t-shirt for me was it really yeah, I saw that shirt and I, and I immediately went, I want that. Don't be mistaken, I want one too. So if anyone listening, <laughs> I just... <laughs> I want that. I want that. But, uh, and then uh, there's a quick little update too. Uh, ESO's coming to QuakeCon Europe. It's just around the corner. And uh, they said, quote, we'll have ESL, ESL playable at QuakeCon, streams from the event, community meetups, and so much more. Which, by the way, they're doing a dueling tournament there. And I believe you get a etched gold coin of some type, something that for winning. I'm not. They didn't really go too much detail. I'm going to live on that. So now, are they doing it at QuakeCon and QuakeCon Europe? Because there's are two oh, different things. I'm sorry. So yeah, they'll be at QuakeCon and QuakeCon Europe. The dungeon. Yeah, I think QuakeCon is in Dallas. Oh, okay. Maybe I the dueling so. tournaments at QuakeCon, not QuakeCon Europe. I think yeah. that's the case. I apologize if I confuse anybody. But, uh, so yeah, that's it for the Twitter. The Twitter. Wow. The Twitter. It's a Twitter update, everybody. <laughs> everybody, thanks for being here on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shining off. All right. <sighs> okay, so yeah, there was, you know, something that really kind of went down this past week. And that was the patch note controversy that kind of happened uh so this coming to us from esl official forums for those of you who missed this zoss was forced to put out pts patch notes because of a leak and uh here's their take on it and we'll kind of open this up here quote in order to squash the ongoing rumors surrounding the certain quote-unquote leaked patch notes and what might be real or fake we decided to publish the real patch notes the Saturday evening before the PTS update for Scalebreaker and update 23. The responsible party associated with these leaks is no longer a part of our programs or community and has been introduced to our friends in the legal department. Ooh, buddy. Ouch. All associated PTS feedback and bug threads will be published on Monday during maintenance. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. End quote. Yeah. Uh-huh. And the community's been up in arms pretty much since then. Yeah. Now, um, we are not going to go line by line on these patch notes. As a matter of fact, if you want them, they are available in PTS patch notes section of the official Elder Scrolls online forums. Yep. Or our episode page. Even easier. They... Yeah, or our episode page. Uh, we'll put the link. They are robust. Formidable. This to say word. the least. I mean, there's <laughs> a ton. Yeah. That's, that is getting uh, changed. And there is there is a lot of outcry about it. Now, regardless of whether or not how these things were leaked, 
that's none of our business and it sounds like somebody is on the hot seat for it and we're not even going to speculate and that sucks but i guess there's consequences you know for every action anyway that's all we're going to say on that now the one thing that i did want to address and i understand that people get pretty hot about this stuff especially when you put time into your class and now all of a sudden for quote-unquote balance reasons things happen to certain abilities in your class certain stats things get changed it's true some of it's good some of it's bad we are going to choose to focus on being positive about this because it is all checks and balances in an mmo we know that we're gamers that being said there are a ton of quality of life stuff that's coming up that's going to be pretty cool so as as a general blanket statement i would i know what we're going to do we're going to give them a chance we're going to play this we're going to see how it affects our characters and it none of this is going to be game breakers for us and yeah, there's probably going to be some folks out there that are, there are folks out there that are really upset about certain things. This is not final. Like I was saying, this is all a balance. So that's the stance we're going to kind of take on. I'll let Jibs hit on it here in a second. And yeah, we're supportive of Zoss. So you can call us whatever you want. We really don't care. It is what it is. We support these devs because... In times like this, that's what they need. Yeah, because, uh, look, I'm just going to say this at the end of the day, and I can already hear hear it now. Oh, these people just, oh, they do they get they get paid? They must get paid by Zoss. Yeah, yeah. We that paid, would be nice. <laughs> we get paid by Zoss. Let me tell you what. I just love seeing those checks rolling. Get real, man. But, uh, no. There's, a, there's people on the other end of that Twitter that you are tweeting at. There's people on the other end of those Reddit posts that you are shouting at that you are uh, posting on the forums at. And I just want to say this. Look, the greatest thing about an MMO is change. It can be a scary thing. It can be a good thing. It can be sometimes a bad thing if it's a bad direction. I mean, like, way, like, down the road, bad direction. I'm talking, like, World of Warcraft expansion uh, direction. But what I'm talking right here on uh, in regard to ESO, class changes and stuff like this, to me, this is the exciting part. Because this is going to make you do... It's going to force you to expand a little bit. Expand your horizons. You're going to do new things. Try new things. And to the person who says, but I have my one and only class. I understand. I understand, you know, it's it's definitely going to take you out of the norm. And I do sympathize with you there. But uh, just today, like I was talking with my son. And I'm like, you know what today's about? It's just about being flexible today. Because stuff happened and we did not plan... Uh, because trust me, we did not intend on doing the show the when we did the show and all these things. It just kind of happened this way. And that's the way life is. And so that being said, I want to say this. Also, don't ever, 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 ever bolden 72 font underline ever go off the first wave of PTS patch notes. That's not final. Yes, it's right. a good direction. Right. But that's not final. You can you should never, ever, ever go off that as the as you know the gospel you, you can't do that and so I like what you said about about ch uh the change and about kind of embracing the change and that the fact that you're going to try new things 
because yeah. that's exactly what a lot of people did when we had all the racial pa racial passive changes. Yeah. I mean, I'm playing races now that I would have never thought would be viable because of the way that things were. Right. Well, those have changed. They change them to make things, you know, a little more balanced and a little more lore friendly. So, yeah, like all of a sudden, you know, Bosmer super good at certain things. Nords. Hi. Viable yeah. now, aren't they? Yeah, and it's amazing. <laughs> Quite like a it. lot. Yeah. Yeah. So those are good changes. So see through the, you know, maybe the like 5% changes that you might have in overall DPS or the way that they change one or two of your skills yeah. and look toward the big picture. And that's very, it's very difficult to explain, I think, sometimes to a gamer because we get very secular in our, secular in our thinking. Right. Um, whereas, you know, this is, this is a business and it is about balance. Yep. So anyway, that's the stance we're choosing to take. Like I said, we're not going to get super deep into this, but just know that we're going to support Zoss in these changes. And if there, you know, if there's something that really over the top, of course, we're going to cover it. But for the most part, um, we're just going to roll with it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to wait until this stuff comes out officially, uh, as far as, uh, the patch notes for, the actual patch and that's when they'll be covered here on the show it's kind of how we've always done it we've never really covered pts in general because it's so topsy-turvy there's it's nothing set in stone nothing is cemented in this is just the first wave which means it's definitely directional but it's not set in stone so just buckle up we're gonna be just fine and uh let's move on to the next thing <laughs> multi-crafting's coming though i am gonna say that guild trader multi-bidding multi-crafting mm -hmm. lots of undaunted key improvements in the way that you can get keys mm -hmm. master writ merchant updates jewelry crafting writ improvements lots of new collectibles and item sets the new dungeons there's a lot to be happy about so, agreed 100% yeah. there's a lot of good things coming so just buckle up it's going to be all good and you know what if you have to play something that's different, don't be surprised if there's other people right next to you feeling the same way. Um, look, at the end of the day, Mag Sorks probably could use a nerf. That's all I'm saying. All right, so there we go. All right, so on to the patch. <laughs> this is coming from a guy who likes the Mag Sork, right? Um, okay, so this is something that's kind of come up and uh, in the, our community and Discord. We've seen it on Reddit. Uh, just across the board with the Elder Scrolls Online community. And we're kind of at a place now with this show where because we have somewhat of a platform and a reach to our audience base, it has to be covered. That being said, today... Are you pregnant? On, this is... Uh, hey, what's that show? What's that movie with baby... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as a pregnant dad? Uh, what, what, what was that? Uh, yeah. Come on, man, help me out. It's like a '90s movie. Yeah, it is. You don't remember? All right. So anyway, Mister Mister Mom, thanks what Mr. it was. Mister Mom, Mister Mom. But uh, uh no, Wait. I'm not pregnant. That being said, That's we are going to be. It's not. That's Michael Keaton. Oh, okay. Move on. I'm super bored already. All right, fine. So anyway, today we're going to be talking the current state of the Crown Store. Um, it's an obvious issue with the way the Crown Store has been 
has kind of gone this past few months. Uh, you know, the past two crown crate seasons now with the, the peddler crates are out, the dragon scale crates were out. And really, from what we have seen from our side of things, it has not been the most well received. And, uh, yeah. They're not really been the greatest season of crown crates. And, um, I'm just going to open this up. And really, we're just going to kind of talk about the current state of the crown store. Do, do you want to go? Or do you. I'm going to take the business side of aspect of this. That's where are, I'm going to take it. Are you going good cop or bad cop? Oh, uh, it's a mix of both. Okay, so. All right, I guess I'm going to kind of go a, a mix of both too. Now, um, I I am happy. I'll just start with the good. I am happy with the constant stream of new things that are coming in to the store. I think there's a there is a good amount of change that is happening in the store to where they're offering free items. They're offering. Um, a lot of really cool furniture stuff. I okay, so I'm gonna leave it there. I wish the I wish the crates would change a little bit more because I'm one of the people that buy crates. And let me preface this whole thing with this. I do fully understand that there are folks out there that are in different financial situations. I've talked about it before on the show. Elder Scrolls Online is my hobby. That's what I do. So I set aside a certain amount of money to be able to take part in the crown store if I see something that I enjoy. If there's a uh, a crown gem sale, uh, or if there's a crown sale, I will stock up at that time. And usually, like for about six months, I'll have a little stash of crowns to spend when things pop up that I like. I get that not everybody is in that situation. At the same time, there are only certain things that I myself will buy. A 600 gem mount. I'm transitioning to the bad. Is not one of them. It's not 600 crowns, friends. It's not 5,000 crowns. It is 600 crown gems to buy the most recent awesome looking Blazeborn cinch line. Yeah. I haven't even done the math and I'm afraid to do it on what you would need to spend in crowns and then breaking down the items that you don't need or want into crown gems to be able to afford 600 gems. Here is case in point. Every once in a while, when a new crown crate season rolls around, I like to spend the accumulation of my crowns and buy 60 of them. I'll buy 60 crates. Mm-hmm. And I like to open them up on stream as an entertainment thing. Yes, I'm definitely benefiting from it, but it also lets our community see the things that are in that are available in these brand in the brand new crown crate season. I got a ton of repeats. I just recently did the, did this with the Bandari Peddler crowns, and it's on YouTube uh, with the crates. And um, 
I think I already had like uh, maybe 60, 70 crown gems that were just sitting there. And after going through 60 crates and breaking down a lot of stuff that were either repeats or stuff that I didn't need, um, I still didn't have enough after 60 crates to get this Blazeborn Cinch line. For most yeah. people, that's unattainable. Yeah, yeah, it is. N not cool. No, it's not, not a fan of that. No. Yeah. No. Um, all right, so look, I've made it clear, especially last episode, I kind of made a point, case in point, on the gems, the way they're done. And in this past week, I even, I don't do this normally. I did not like doing this. I put something even out on Twitter in response to TSO Online, letting them know, please, please, please stop doing this. Stop gating your community like this. We'll buy the mount with crowns. Don't put it behind crown gems. And it's just, it's incredibly just, oh my gosh. Because look, I love this game. And it's like pulling at the, my seams just because I, I do not like having to post that stuff. I don't like to do it. But then you're in a position where we are, where we have a platform that people we uh, get, listen. And then so it's things like this that you have to address. Yeah. And, and so the gems, it's absolutely needs to be changed. It has to be rethought. It has to be rehashed because the way it is right now is not the right way to go. And that's all I'm going to say about that because I've bled that monkey dry. Or yeah, last. and there's... I'm hopeful there's no love lost either because uh, there is no doubt that we are fans of, of, of this dev team. No oh my gosh. doubt. Yes. Um, I won't belabor it too much, but We've never experienced a dev team that is quite like this, that are, are just true humans and really do have a true connection to their community because Zoss does. And you can choose to feel however you want. And yes, we are in, in a position to be able to interact with them, maybe a little bit more than the average person, but they're still there for all of us. And they're doing this because they love this. Now, at the same time, this is a business. It is a, it's a job for them. So the crown store does absolutely help to augment the things that they're doing. But this one, that when I saw that 600 gem thing, that was just a, a price gouge. It's like, man, if, well, if you have the money, yeah, spend it on the crates, break everything down, then you can have that mount if you truly, truly want it. Well, yeah. It's a cool See, looking mount, ain't no doubt, but... I will not spend 600 crown gems in one shot to get that. I'd rather, you know, parse it out to all, you know, a whole bunch of different little things that you can get that are crown uh, crown gem exclusives. Right. Yeah, I agree. And this kind of transition to my take on this from a business standpoint. And this is 100% outside looking in. This is, and I had to actually kind of somewhat outline what I wanted to say because I want to make sure I get this right. Because, again, we love this dev team. We love the community. We love Elder Scrolls Online. Okay? That's why we wouldn't be doing a show if we didn't enjoy it. And we wouldn't be addressing this if we didn't enjoy it. So that being said, outside looking in, I do not. I am not one of their um, economists. I do not. I am not on staff. 
This is 100%. I, you know, I wish I could be a fly on the wall to listen to earnings and, you know, just the business side of things. You know, the profit to uh, ratio and when it comes to subscriber base versus, you know, the free-to-play players. Um, who's buying what if they're free-to-play or if they're subscribers. You know, all these things. But I'm not. So this is my take. Okay? So, when I look at the current state of the crown store right now, it's not inviting. As it was a year ago. And... It's an old school method of thinking at this point when it comes to crates in general, the randomness of crates, okay? Now, we're looking at this from a financial perspective, all right? Right now, the cold crate thing is very much up in the air in the courts anyway. Whether we want to address it or talk about it or not, it's very much a thing that's going to change, Okay? This is probably going to change, and so when I think of when I see this crown crate, uh, crown store, it's very dated to me. It does not feel progressive because 600 gems for a single mount feels very dated. It feels very hard. That feels like almost like an EA price point, and that is not. Oh. That, that is not. That's a bad what, word. I'm sorry. I know everyone listening. I love them. I love you all. I really do. But that is. That is a unrealistic price point that feels out of touch, okay? And so, here's what I would do. Because the Crown Store feels dated, and it needs to be... It needs to progress. It has to progress. Because, I look, I understand the fact that, look, you have a Crown... You have two different types of player bases. You have people who play free-to-play and people who subscribe. And I get that. So here's what I would do. This is just my opinion. And you could say this is completely ridiculous. That's fine because it look. It's I, I'm not getting paid here again. Just outside looking in. If I if it were me, here's what I would do. First things first. All free to play players. Prices stay the same. You do not touch those prices. Not a single ounce. Not one. Then I would if here's the second thing I would do is I would look at our subscriber base. All right. So you want to you want to keep that reoccurring money coming in. You want to keep that you know as much as you can. You want to keep those premium players. I, it's the only word I can think of. Sorry, if you're not a subscriber, it doesn't mean you're any less of a person or anything. So you want to keep these premium players, these premium, uh, these continual funds coming in. Here's what I would do: the moment that you are that you subscribe for the first three months, you get everything thirty percent off. Doesn't doesn't uh, in the crown store. Your prices are down thirty percent. If you if you've been a continued subscriber for six months or more, everything now and forever is fifty percent off in the crown store. <clears throat> in the crown Whoa. store, it's because bold. you you are a loyal customer at that point. And again, I don't know their numbers. This is complete you know ignorance on my part. I do not know anything. Okay, I would slash those numbers fifty percent because. The way that it is right now, it's so, in a lot of ways, unattainable. And it doesn't even feel inviting. Whenever I look at a book, if I'm reading a good book, what's the parts you want to stick out? Okay, you want the antagonist. You want the protagonist to stand out. You want the hero, the villain. You don't want some side thing off in a streak that happened to stand out, out of the book. And that's kind of how I feel like the crown story is right now. When I'm looking at the Elder Scrolls Online book, I'm not seeing the, the, the hero and the villain... I'm seeing this side thing that doesn't feel like it flows with the rest of the game. That it just stands out, and it doesn't feel like it meshes with everything else. That's what this crown store is. 
it's almost like a sore spot. You know, you know what I would like to see? Yeah. And I know this might be unattainable because um, just like you're saying, like, I don't know the monetary situation. And I know this is this absolutely is a money making thing for them. But I would like to see like a mixture of what some of the other MMOs have done in the past where there's this long quest line that you have to go through to get certain more rare items in the game. And yeah, I'll throw out World of Warcraft. Like remember remember the long quest lines of the like it, you actually feel like you're on this epic quest and at the very end there's this epic mount. That's what you're going for, right? right. Yeah. Well, who's to say that they couldn't do um, in the crown store for not 600 crown gems, but for much less, you could actually buy like a missive that starts the quest for you to be able to go and get some of these epic items in the game. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So so yes. instead of, say, 600 cr- uh, crown gems for an amount like this, you pay 50 or 100 which is way more attainable, and that nets you a quest item that you start a quest in-game for, and it takes you on this pathway within the game for you to be able to earn it. Yes, and see... So it's less money up front, but when you have different incentives like that and things in the game where it's bringing people back, like, no, no, I want to get this. There's ton of achievement people. There's tons of achievement hounds out there. I'm one of them. That would bring more people to sub for your game. Even if you were to say either discount said quest item in the crown store for people who subbed and make it a little more expensive for those who didn't sub or better yet, make it exclusive to people who sub. Now you can get these things that allow you to go through the game and adventure in the game to earn this. Yeah. Not just buy it for hundreds of dollars maybe it's yeah like i said i haven't done the math but hundreds of dollars it it, might cost yeah it does not feel inviting yeah so now now you've got this thing where okay so you start focusing more on the subscription you know adding all these benefits and stuff like that you know what i would honestly like to see uh free to play or not um put put these amazing amounts these amazing mounts Behind extremely difficult achievements, and because, some do, some are sure. But I mean, like expand that, yeah. Because why not? Okay, so right. you're not going to get a whole lot of money. All right, so take you know, find a way to adjust it, adjust it so that you you are getting something. You know, like Cash said, bring you know some kind of quest item, something that that's first off attainable. That's not. It's almost six hundred gems is insulting, guys. <laughs> Yeah, it's a nut kick for sure. It's insulting, and it there's a bet. There's got to be a better way. This has to be readdressed because it's the crown store in its current state is is not inviting. It does not. It does not say, "Hey, check out this stuff. You can you can get uh, uh, the prices are you know <laughs> reasonable because they're not." And so, I would just lead with Zoss, with people who are in charge of this, to relook at what you're doing here. Reevaluate how you're wanting to manage this. Because this is not the way with 600 gems 
600 gem mounts right with just slight discounts for your subscriber base you gotta you gotta really make it evident that you want your supporters to buy from you not just well, we're gonna give you a little something no 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 because that will pay you off in the long run yes you're gonna be looking at the aggregate at that point you're gonna be wanting to push amount of sales but wouldn't you want to have something that says I want you make sure I have your support to make sure to make it feel like you're being taken care of as a player than somebody who you know something that just feels like it's completely you know 60 crates and you still don't have 600 crown gems for a mount yeah or even you know make it available via gold something gold so yeah. people that don't have the gold sink there you actual go. real life funds can get go. in there and you know yeah it's gonna be darn expensive with in-game gold but at least it's attainable some kind of currency you can earn through something in the game some kind of achievements something some kind of system there has to be a way there's a, there is a way there's a better way yeah it, it just has to be implemented so please i think that's that's kind of where we'll end it we'll wrap it on here but uh anyway crown store showcase it can get better and we're gonna get there i yeah. love our developers i love the team yeah, we love you. We've, don't hate us. Yeah, I, I, I don't like doing this. Let me be clear. I do not like doing this. This is uncomfortable for me. I've been comfortable this entire episode. You know what I do want to do, though? What's that? I want to give people hugs who made the Sphinx Cat, and I want to give people hugs who made the... Um, oh, yeah, man. The Ezraj. I don't even know if that's how you say it, but the uh, the Khajiiti instrument. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I play that thing all the time. It is oh, yeah. so It's so awesome. So there's some really cool things that are getting people's fancy that are coming to the store. It's we just think that there's maybe a better way to not, you know, fully gate people out of getting certain items, even though, yeah, they're going to be rare. But we just think there's probably a better way out there for you to do it. Um, You know, does it does not kill our experience and we choose to remain positive about this. So, um, you know, it's just, I'm sure you're hearing it from the community and we would be remiss if we weren't covering it Yeah, because it's important to us. This kind of stuff's important to MMO players to be able to collect. It's a lot of what an MMO is about. That's right. It's about collecting, man. Really, it is. Achievements, levels, items, mounts, all the things. So anyway, it's that time for that lore lesson. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's do it. Take a step back. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. All right, here we go. Friends, we are continuing our saga that started with the Dawn era. Uh, last episode, we covered the Merithic and this lore lesson, lore lesson 64. We are covering the first era. Now, granted, I am hitting the major points for all of you in the first era because... There's so much that happens in these timelines. We would be here for at least two hours if I were to cover everything. So I'm going to hit some of the biggest things, the things that you are... I mean, this is the first era, so this is the era right before Elder Scrolls Online takes place. So there's a lot of parallels in here, a lot of things that you will see in-game that are mentioned about the first era. You'll see them in lore books and such during the second era when we play. 
So after the Dawn Era, and now that much of the landscape of Tamriel has been established in the Dawn and Merithic, the races of beasts and men were now seated in the world. The first era arrives with the founding of the Cameron Dynasty by King Eplier. This uh, date for the founding of the dynasty, the first era, year zero, which is known as 1E0, is traditionally recorded as the first date in Tamriel's history. King Eplier, now who was he? He was known to have been the first among the people to unite the wild ancestral Bosmer and create the actual political identity of Valenwood. He was a very kind and welcoming king, and he really kind of set the stage for the Bosmer and their their hospitable ways towards others. As an example, he led the Bosmer in assisting and housing the refugees from the Aelid Empire who were coming from Cyrodiil into Valenwood, and they were seeking refuge in the forest, and he was very open arms and welcoming to them. Here's a little fun fact. The Aelids, also known as the Heartland High Elves, are the first race to have created an empire in Tamriel. They ruled the province of Cyrodiil for thousands of years, even before any historical dates were recorded. So we're talking Merithic. Their language was similar to the ancient language of the Aldmer, but the Aelids called it Aeliadun. Okay, so some of the biggest things that happened during the First Era. We'll start in Skyrim. In the First Era, year 143, King Harold XIII, who was a descendant of Isgrimor, is crowned the High King of the Nords. Skyrim is then transformed into an independent kingdom, and Will, uh, Windhelm is made its capital. A bad kitty. Uh, in the first era, year 240, uh, year 240, the Skyrim conquests begin. So basically what happens for the next 50 years is the Nords began to expand their empire across Morrowind and High Rock. Here's another fun fact. In the first era, year 198, a conflict stemming from the Merithic era called the Narfensal Schism comes to a head Bless in Cyrodiil. Sorry, I sneezed. <laughs> the Narfensal Schism. So the traditional Adra-worshipping Aelids, who are known as the Barsabics, were in a stalemate with Daedra-worshipping Aelids called Daedraphiles in Cyrodiil. The Barsabics were defeated and the for- their forces were driven into northern Argonia, ending the organized opposition to Daedra worship in Cyrodiil. All of a sudden, Daedra wor- worship is legal. We'll talk a little bit about the Alessian Slave Rebellion, which is certainly uh, referred to in the Elder Scrolls Online. In the first era, year 242, the Cyrodiilians enslaved under alien overlords rebelled against their captor captors so slave queen alessia gathered a following and she was aided by the legendary nomad warrior pelina whitestrake which is certainly talked about in elder scrolls online 
and together they would prove victorious over the aliens who would oppress them as slaves. Well, maybe not Pelina Whitestrike. He just kind of took on the protector role because he was traveling all over the place, causing all kinds of trouble. Um, but he took particular interest in slave queen Alessia and the Alessian slave rebellion and decided to stay and help. So in the final battle of this conflict, Pelina Whitestrake would kill the Aeliad king. His name was Umeril the Unfeathered, and that took place in the White Gold Tower. Whitestrake would also die of his wounds in the battle, and his body, this is gnarly, was cut into eight pieces by the Aeliads because they were obsessed with the number eight, and they did this to intentionally mock the divines. With the time, we're ace. <laughs> Oh, oh, I love this lore. It's just so dang well thought Ooh, out. Yeah. So the alien defeat at the White Gold Tower marked the beginning of their slow fall from power in the region. Now, the one thing that did remain are the alien ruins. And we still get to see alien ruins. And in some cases, alien is still a mm-hmm. thing. It's super mm-hmm. rare, but it's still a thing. So Queen Alessia, after her um, after her defeat or after her uh, victory, would found the Alessian Empire and drive out the remaining aliens. Also, in the first era, first era year two four six, Daggerfall City is founded by the Nords invading the province of High Rock. Now, a little excerpt from a book, a book entitled "The Book of Life." On page 933, written by the Nords, it reads, North of the highest bluffs, south of the moors, west of the hills, and east of the sea is called Daggerfell. 110 men, 93 women, 13 children, under 8 years of age, 58 cows, 7 bulls, 63 chickens, 11 cocks, chickens. And 38 hogs live there, unquote. In the first era, year 266, I'm surprised Jibs didn't chuckle at that. In the first era, year 266, the Empress Alessia dies. She becomes the first of the Cyrodiilic saints. Akatosh himself arrives at the White Gold Tower during this time and makes Empress Alessia the first gem in the Amulet of Kings thus beginning the covenant between the Imperials and Akatosh. This union between the Imperials and Akatosh with the help of the Amulet of Kings helps to protect Tamriel from the forces of Oblivion. And it becomes a thing for every single Emperor to have that Amulet of Kings passed on. Also during this time, the rise of the Dureni clan takes place. Through a series of very keen political moves, the only known Altmer ruling family remaining in the human lands, known as Clan Dureni, seizes power of High Rock in the first era, year 355. Eventually, they would be driven out as a result of the Battle of Glenumbria Moors, and that was against the Alessian Order, and that was in the first era, uh, first era year 498. So they had a good run. About 150 years that Clan Dureni, um was up there. And 
it just goes uh, goes on to say that uh, Clan Dureni actually renames the um, the tower to the to the Dureni Tower, and that was the tower that all the talks took place way back in the Dawn era. It was uh, right in between the Dawn and Merthic era when all those talks in between the Adra took place. What are we going to do with Nerm? So anyway, they renamed that tower. Uh, in the first era, year 416, the liberation of Morrowind takes place. The Nords, who, an inv- who had invaded Resdane, which is now modern-day Morrowind, were driven out by the Chimer and the Dwemer, an unlikely awesome. union between the Chimer and the Dwemer. Lord Indoril Nerevar of the Chimer and Dumak Dwarf King of the Dwemer would become the leadership of the First Council of Resdane. So for the first time in history, the Chimer and the Dwemer would flourish in harmony under the leadership of these two leaders. That doesn't last long, though. In, dun, dun, dun. dun, dun, dun. I thought you might like the, uh, the talk of the uh, Chimer and the Dwemer. I love it so bad. Uh, so now let's talk a little bit about the Khajiit during this time. So in the first era, 5th century, which typically is like, from first era 400 all the way to 500 is considered the fifth century. My Khajiit. Come here, Duner. Up you go. Um, so the Khajiit during this time began a series of military conquests led by Darlok Bray, who is known as the Golden Beast of Anequina. Bray was a Khajiiti warlord known for being brutal in his leadership, but his leadership also was fantastic in the expansion across the northern weightlands of uh, Anequinine. And this encompassed all the lands between basically Arenthus and Rimen in northern elsewhere. He was perceived as glorious for this expansion because, remember, the Khajiit had been kind of pushed out of everywhere else they went and they ended up landing in elsewhere. So this expanded their reach. Um, this particular act would serve as an inspiration for Anequina's modern martial traditions and would be seen as an effort to preserve elsewhere's history. So it was kind of a big part for the Khajiit during that era, during this, um, the first era. In the first era, 7th century, the War of the Crag takes place. And this is between, uh, or this is with the Snow Elves of Blackreach, and they would face a life-altering conflict with the Dwemer. So the Snow Elves, who were being driven out of their home by the Nords in the Nord Conquest, Skyrim Conquest, the Nords were driving them out. So the Snow Elves, in order to seek refuge, they were able to foster a deal with the mountain-dwelling Dwemer. But it was going to cost them. Played Skyrim, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. We've mentioned this in a previous lore lesson. The Dwemer offered their help only if the snow elves would agree to eat a toxic fungus, which would later render the entirety of the snow elves blind. Now, if that doesn't speak to the desperation of the surviving, fleeing snow elves, I don't know what does. So gnarly. It's terrible. So what ends, ends up happening is that they were forced into slavery by the Dwemer. Because this toxic fungus rendered them blind. Eventually, after many generations, the snow elves who were blind would morph into the underground dwelling Falmer. 
Now, eventually, they figured it out, and they revolted against the Dwemer, and they had a bitter conflict that would rage for years all under the surface. Now, the Nords that were up above had no idea of the war that was raging beneath their feet. <laughs> What's that small explosion, Mom? Oh, it's, I don't know. Yeah. I think that was an earthquake. I don't know. That a, <laughs> that's a mom. Something's rumbling underneath my feet. <laughs> so... <laughs> They had no idea all this was going on. Apparently, Mom's Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to be rigored, the brash. I guess oh, it didn't right. work. <laughs> <laughs> so the war would only end after decades of conflict and bloodshed, with the mysterious and abrupt disappearance of the entire Dwemer race. That is a story for an entire other lore lesson, which we have covered mm-hmm. when we covered the Dwemer. <laughs> okay. The War of the First Council. Now, it just couldn't last around the first era, year 668, or possibly later, as some have speculated. The War of the Red Mountain would take place, coinciding with a cataclysmic eruption of the Red Mountain in Morrowind itself. The Keimer Great Houses and the Secular Dwemer would be at odds once again. And this is a little, little bit, you know, right around that same timeline. After many years of prosperity under the leadership of the First Council of Resdane, which we talked about was the um, was the union between the Chimer and the Dwemer. Now, during this conflict, the Nords of Skyrim, they're so smart, they took advantage of the chaos <laughs> and joined in the fray when the Chimer and the Dwemer were fighting each other. And they eventually uh, ended up driving them out in the first era, year 416. And then once again, we talk about the the disappearance of the Dwemer. So this conflict abruptly ends with the mysterious disappearance of the entire Dwemer race and the death of Lord Indiril Narivar. So these events would really lay the foundation for what would become the tribunal in Morrowind. I love that, Lord. Right. The great houses would finally just go, okay, let's do this thing on our own. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, also around that same time period, a little bit later, first era year 792, Yokuda is destroyed. A renegade group of Ansei, and you'll know Ansei as the uh, the greatest among the sword singers of Yokuda. Now, this was an incredibly huge martial race. Race, And when I say Yokuda, I am talking about the uh, ancient ancestors of the Red Guard. We'll get there. Don't worry. What actually happens is this renegade group of Ansei are defeated in battle. They're pissed off. And somehow they mysteriously sink the entire island of Yokuda. It is said to have been done with magic. I would imagine it would have to be done with magic as opposed to just stomping on the ground. That's not going to work. Well, you never know. You never know. Good chant does wonders nowadays. So what happens then is that Yokuda begins to sink and there's refugees all over the place. So many of them would flee to the Isle of, of Hearn while others would travel across the sea and find a new home in Tamriel. This warrior wave of Yokudans that landed on Tamriel would basically start from the coast and destroy everything in their path, including beast folk and a lot of the native Nidic people who lived there were just flat out murdered by this wave of Redguard that showed up which was the regatta. That's what it was called. And that name, mm-hmm. the name that they were given, regatta, was later morphed into the Red Guard. 
and that became the warrior race that now claims their their home in Hammerfell. That's like a reminds me of the Urukai, Urukai, and uh, Lord of the Rings. Two towers going across the plain, just burning everything. That's pretty much what they did. That's, That's pretty insane. much what they did. That's and crazy. The people see that when in Redguard culture, the people who opposed them got an honorable death because you're That's what pretty I was say. Yeah. much not gonna beat the martial prowess of a red guard during that time. No, no. The ones who did not, the ones who didn't fight and just surrendered became slaves. They're like, yeah, no. Either that or they were just flat out just murdered. That's right. Woman, children. Die on your feet than die on your knees. Yeah. You're not going to run. You're just going to die tired. Anyway. Yep. Okay. In the first era, year 950, the assault on Orsinium takes place. The Orcish capital at Orsinium is attacked as a result of the union of Daggerfall, the Nords, Sentinel, and the Order of Diagna, which is the Red Guard at that time. This conflict lasted 30 years and resulted in the Orcs being driven out of their home in Orsinium for the first time. Uh, in the first era, year 1301, Skywatch is attacked. We've also talked about this one, but this is kind of the entrance of the slug-like slowed race. Because they landed on uh, on Auradon at Skywatch. And, it, of course, you know Auradon as being one of the islands in the Somerset Isles. And they attacked the Thras attack, or the Slowed from Thras attacked the city at Skywatch. And ain't nobody got time for Slowed. Ain't nobody got time for that. Now, that will continue here in just a second. Now, right around this time, a dragon break was said to happen at some point during the first era, 15th century around. A dragon break was said to have occurred lasting for 1,008 years. Now, I don't know how they were so precise that it was 1,008 years when some scholars describe this time period, the dragon break, as a timeless time. Many said it was caused by just a simple error in the timeline. So that it's like just like a dragon break it's super vague yep you don't really Incredibly know what confusing. happened how in the hell do they know it was a thousand and eight years for one I and number know. two who dropped the freaking ball and made an error in the timeline whoops like was there one dude that was in charge so that may take a little bit more explanation for me personally i mean i'm sure there's people there's lore hounds out there that know exactly what happened but that's yeah, that's a story from another it's point of view. It's a story for a whole other talk show. Yep. Okay. So, uh, first era, year 2200. Let's talk a little bit more about the Slode again. The Slode of Thras released the Thrasian Plague upon Tamriel. Now, I will preface, and I'm not going to preface, I'm just going to repeat what I'm going to say here again. Because every time I read through this, I have to say it twice. The Thrasian Plague killed more than half of Tamriel's entire population over several centuries. This was the plague of the first era, for sure. More than one half of Tamriel's population. This would prompt the forming of the All Flags Navy, a massive fleet of ships comprising every single nation in Tamriel seeking retribution for the release of the Thracian Plague. Now, the All Flags Navy went on through a very tough battle to sink the entire kingdom of Thras with the use of magic. All right, first era, year 2837. This is getting late. 
the Second Empire, which was known as the Cyrodiilic Empire or also known as the Remen Dynasty. The Second Empire seized a very large portion of swamplands in Argonia and created the province of Black Marsh. After the Second Empire was dissolved in the Second Era, Second Empire was dissolved in the Second Era. I don't want to confuse anybody. It was no longer considered a province of Cyrodiil. So they're like, yeah, Argonia is kind of harsh. We don't need it. And in the last year of the First Era, First Era year 2920 is considered the last year of the First Era. The Dunmer Fortress at Blackgate would be sacked, breaking a long-standing truce between the Empire and Morrowind. Followed by the sacking is the assassination of Emperor Remen III and his son, his, his heir and successor, Prince Juliac. They were both murdered by the Morag Tong. That's Interesting how it's the Morag Tong. Yeah, it's a huh? massive political move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the person to take the throne was the Akaviri potentate Versidushai. He would assume the imperial throne and then oh, at that oh. point declare the very beginning of the second era which we will cover next week oh man that is so good yeah and that my friends is probably about half of the events that took place there's so much more in this rabbit hole that is the timeline of Elder Scrolls it's massive agreed you did really good thank you you're welcome (laughs) Real good. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, we hope you enjoyed this. I look forward to the next lore lesson. Now you got me hooked. Yeah. Um, good one. Oh, well. Wow. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed the final episode of Lore Seekers. Volume 4, episode 11. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back next week with volume 5. Wow. That's a lot of episodes. Uh,. Yeah, we'll be coming back to you with Volume 5. Did did you think we were done? Did you think we were done? No. Just a real quick mention, though, about our storyline. Our storyline will be finishing up with this episode. However, we are going to have something very special for you in the form of an epilogue, which will be a continuation, short continuation, when we release all of the storylines as basically an audiobook be our second audiobook yeah, yeah the second uh second rendition i guess of our storyline will all be compiled for you so if you've missed them you can listen to them all in one shot with a little special extra ending there you go well everyone we hope you enjoyed this episode and before we get out of here we want to go over a few things with you you know no matter where you listen to this podcast we hope that you will leave us your review but if you leave us an itunes review for every five star review that we get give you some love and a shout out right here live on the show by reading your review so first one up this is from crasher 28 from the usa says quote i was an xbox player at launch been in and out of the game while going through amp school and starting my new job i just got back into the game and found you guys and i love listening while at work the stories and funny are funny and the jokes are good keep up the good work and thanks for perpetuating the friendly player experience man you're welcome thank you thank you very much that's awesome uh dark vamp 027 from australia Ooh, down under 
this great podcast. Love it. Thank you very much. Thank Appreciate you, sir. That. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to include this headline here. Normally I don't because there are subject lines on every review, but this one was good because I feel vindicated. Uh, yes, it's just for me. I am that way in this regard towards cash. All right, so first time listener, long time whiskey mixer. Bail. Heck. <laughs> Hawk and Rain from USA says, just found y'all today, been on ESO for a couple months, and glad... I have a podcast to call home. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's very Appreciate cool. That. Thank you, sir. So, yeah, if you want to see even more content, here's what you do. Go to youtube.com forward slash loreseekers, and there's all kinds of stuff there. You can also go to loreseekerspodcast.com. All the fun things are there. You can call us 765-382-6961. Get, you have the chance to get featured in our official mailbag segment. That normally we'll start every episode with. We got the mail, we'll bring it in, and we'll talk about it. You can uh, email us, loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com. And if you're looking for a community, you can. You can go to loreseekerspodcast.com forward slash guild and uh, download Discord, join our Discord server, and apply by typing slash apply in the apply to guild channel. It's right there. And uh, before I'm done here and Cash finishes up, we hope you know you can find this show wherever podcasts are free. Make sure you subscribe. That way you get your stuff automatically. And this week, tell a friend about Lore Seekers. Share the love. Share the Lore Seeker love with somebody. Where can they find us at? You can find Jibs on Twitter at JibsIRL. You can find myself at Lore Seeker Cash. The cash is with a K. But more important... Most, uh, what? Scratch! What? Scratch! <laughs> most importantly, you can follow us now. I'm not even drinking. On Twitter, we're at LoreSeekersCast. At Instagram, we are at LoreSeekers. And on Twitch, we're at twitch.tv forward slash LoreSeekersPodcast. That's it. You all have a great... Y'all. Wow. I'm just as bad as you. Y'all have, have, you- <laughs> have a great week. <laughs> oh, thanks so much for listening. We love you so much. Thank you so much for your continued support, your listenership, and just being a part of the Lore Seeker family. We love you. Be safe. Be awesome. Be good to one another. We'll see you next week. Dilly dilly. The forest canopy on the outskirts of the Halls of Colossus provided the perfect cover for their escape. Although the dragons, for some odd reason, didn't appear to be pursuing them. They ran for several minutes even though the entirety of the newly formed group hadn't formally met. They did, however, have a singular purpose, to not become a meal for several beastly dragons who had presumably just escaped an ancient prison. Singetail, Krindar, Cash, Jibs, Abner Tharn, a hooded Khajiit, and the Altmer Ranger came to rest in a large rock outcropping jutting out from a large and jagged landmass in the center portion of the forest. Without taking time for pleasantries, Singetail was the first to break the silence, as the party collectively hunched over, gasping to catch their breath. By Jon and Jod, what in oblivion was that? he hissed. With an obviously annoyed look on his face, Abner Tharn turned his head toward the inquiring Khajiit and bit back. 
Well, it would appear that there are now dragons in elsewhere. And it's all your fault, Tharn. This would have never happened if you hadn't used that corrupted stone tablet. Blast you, Tharn! The black-furred female Khajiit snapped with anger. Calm down, everyone. Calm down. Jib said gently, motioning his hands in a downward fashion. I believe introductions are in order first before we resume to decapitating each other with our words? Surprisingly, his calming words did the trick. Everyone seemed to take a deep breath as the better part of reason took hold of the situation. What followed was several minutes of introductions and explanations of just how and why these unlikely companions ended up in a humid, dense forest in the middle of southern elsewhere, running for their lives from a scaly fleet of ancient beasts. It was a conversation charged with excitement and at times anger, with topics ranging from the Mages Guild investigations to recruitment of adventurers to ancient tablets and ending the Three Banners War altogether. It turned out the tall Altmer Ranger, introduced as Anriel, was an adept adventurer who had volunteered to answer the summons by Tharn. He was to be entrusted with leading many of the volunteers, and was thus chosen by the High Chancellor to accompany him into the Halls of Colossus. Kamira, the attractively dark-furred Khajiit, was surprisingly an agent for the currently seated Speaker of the Main, Lord Garashri. She had a fiery personality, but with an air of grace. There was something about her. It was as if she was holding something back. Perhaps a lot of somethings. But anyway, she continued her assault on the High Chancellor, with him refuting her at every accusation, blaming his half-sister for nearly everything. He overtly claimed to be trying to help, but it was difficult to buy his claims after hearing Kamira speak of just how the dragons had been released. Regardless of how and why, there was a massive problem flying over the skies of the Kajidi homeland, and it was a matter of time before they impacted the region in some fashion. It was collectively agreed upon by the adventurers to stay on together and further investigate the repercussions of the dragon's release. Nobody quite knew what they were capable of, but they knew what dragons had been responsible for in the distant past, which was a major cause for concern. They would have to warn the native Khajiit before it was too late. They wasted no time in returning to the High Chancellor's main encampment in Grotwood. Although it took some time to get there, the camp was a beehive of activity as allies and adventurers arrived from all walks of Tamrielic life. Whether they were there out of their own adventurous spirit, or out of pure concern for the welfare of the feline beast race itself, it did not seem to matter. They came in droves to help. Caravan after caravan left for elsewhere to assist the Khajiit, as Tharn and his staff organized the adventurers into groups and arrange for their travel. Signing on to assist immediately, Singetail, Krindar, Cash, and Jibs were entrusted to remain at Tharn and Kamira's side during the planning of the aid operation into elsewhere. It seemed the trek through the forest had fostered a good amount of will and companionship 
sufficient enough to earn the trust of Abner Tharn. It was either that or the fact that Jibs and Cash had offered the assistance of their own personal organization to come and assist. The Reliquary, they called it, and described as a band of treasure hunters who knew how to fight. Either way, the High Chancellor took a liking to the foursome. Cash and Jibs had sent word to their base at Somerset and across their network that the events taking place in elsewhere would become the immediate priority. Reports of dragon attacks were mounting in the northern parts of the Kajidi province, and the influx of volunteer caravans increased in the days and weeks following the dragon's escape from their tomb in the Halls of Colossus. It seemed that above all else occurring in Tamriel, including the Three Banners' War, many in the world had a soft spot for the Khajiit, and the most able dropped what they were doing to come to their aid. The response was profound and actually quite heartwarming. A uh, singetail, Krindar, Cash said as the foursome packed their own wagon with supplies for the trip to Anequina. Yes, my knife-eared friend, Singetail mused at Cash. Look, uh, I know you already have a job with the Mages Guild and all, but uh, how would you both like to join us at the Reliquary? We could use a couple well-traveled dungeon delvers with a thirst for adventure. And the pay is quite lucrative. Cash offered and finished with a smirk. Oh, I don't know, Cash. I mean, it sounds good and all. Krindar hesitated. Krindar, considering we may not make it out of elsewhere alive, what do we have to lose, eh? Finally get us out of the grip of the Mages Guild? Get us set out with others who love exactly what we do. Adventure. Live a little, my little friend. Singetail shrugged at his Alfie companion. Rindar, seemingly convinced, looked at Cash and nodded an assured yes. Great news, Jibs mused. You know, there was a time when I was a bit skeptical about the Khajiit. But then I thought, hey, any race that innately covers up its own poop? It has to be pretty smart. Burring his brow, Singetail lovingly socked Jibs in the arm prompting an ouch from the tall Altmer, followed by a good chuckle by both of them. That settles it then. Our crew from the Reliquary is on their way south now. You guys will get to meet them soon enough. They're a great bunch. I, uh, even have someone in mind who could help you with your newly acquired, uh, skills, Singe. Oh, and we'll, uh, explain the rest of what the Reliquary is about on our way to cat country. It's, uh, kind of a long story. 